the football pod on OTB Sports. I think they'll have too much. I didn't hear a word you said in the last 45 seconds. What? Breaking news here on the football pod. The football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. Now then, you're welcome along. So Tuesday evening here and off the ball, slightly different show this evening to the norm. Our focus is very much at Anfield. We have live commentary of Liverpool against Manchester United coming your way. Stephen Doyle, Vinnie Perth will be calling the action. Text number is 53106. We are at off the ball. We will be uh, chatting, obviously, for the next hour as part of the build-up to the game. Mick McCarthy here in studio. Hello. Hello, Joe. Arthur O'Dee, also in studio. Hello, Arthur. How are you getting on? And Richard McCormick with us as usual. Hello. Happy Phil Jones Day, uh, Joe. Happy Phil Jones Day. Phil Jones Day? Yeah. That man is starting at Anfield tonight. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Happy the Phil Jones. The year Jones. of our Lord, 2022. Well, that's a turn up. Who's been left it's out? All about, Give us it's the all team. about resurrections, Joe. Uh, Phil Jones is to really live up to the expectation of uh, resurrections. Uh, starting 11 for United tonight, okay. Uh, David De Gea starting goal. It looks like a back three. I suggest I might be wrong on this one, but it looks like a back three. Victor Lindelof, Phil Jones and Harry Maguire. In midfield then, we have Nemanja Matic and Paul Pogba with the width provided by uh, Diogo Dalot and Aaron Bissaka and Anthony Alanga and Bruno Fernandes are in support of Marcus Rashford up front. So that's United starting 11. Um, good luck to them. Uh, Liverpool have a couple of changes but not many tonight uh, Roberto Firmino they say misses out through a foot injury uh, with the changes from the uh, weekend win over uh, Manchester City at uh, Wembley or Spars Alisson in goal for them Trent Alexander-Arnold Joel Matip Virgil van Dijk and Andy Robertson Fabinho Jordan Anderson and Thiago Alcantara are in midfield and the pacey front three of Luis Diaz Mo Salah and Sadio Mane Happy Phil Jones Day. Very interesting. <laughs> hey, let's let's leave off Phil Jones, all right? The man's had a torrid time. He's effectively been bullied by well, the world at large. And he did a great interview about it, actually, where he's, he's, he he's had to work back from colossal injury troubles, like really genuinely terrible injury troubles. Yeah. And talked about fair, walking down the street, he was getting abused from people, even when he was with his daughter. And so he's got his, you know, he's got things back together here and let's, uh, let's see right, what Joe. he does. All right, Considering Joe. Stop, the trying make, stop trying to make me feel bad. The real story here, the real story here is Eric Bailly, Samuel Luckhurst from the Manchester Evening News just pointed out that a year on from getting a new contract, Eric Bailly is now officially United's fifth choice centre-back. So that shows you the level of HR uh, dazzlery that's going on at Old Trafford at the minute. Well, Bai is just, uh, you know, at times he has a stretch where you think, oh, well, he's got his pace and, and you know, he's growing into the role and then he just he's, does these dreadful things yeah. time and time again. He's just not fully trustworthy back there. I think the the pertinent point that Richie makes, though, is how <laughs> eager United seem to be to locking down all these people that they don't seem to want. Mm-hmm. It's just consistent, really, isn't it? It's just like, new contract, guys. OK, right, well, you're not really in my plans. Yeah. But uh, you're here for another few years. Uh, two stats which don't bode well for this evening. United's last away goal. When do you think the last time United scored at Anfield was? At Ooh. Anfield? Yeah. Oh, I can uh... and Be reasonable here. They're Manchester United. They've spent a billion quid. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not saying last time they won at Anfield. Last time they scored a goal. Was it 17-18? Was it as far back as Ibrahimovic? It was December 2018. Richie mentioned 18. That's the last time they scored a goal. Uh, in their last 10 away games, most recently... They've had one clean sheet. So I would say the odds this evening, just looking at the numbers, are Was they're that? not going to score and they're not going to keep clean sheet. Yeah. Now, I'm no mathematician. <laughs> if I was to channel John Nash look, for a moment, look, that's not going to be good for them. We'll get you on meaningful metrics on Thursday <laughs> yeah. to, to <laughs> tell us exactly why uh, Manchester United are going to not do too well today. 
So it's ominous. They've clearly decided looking at that team to go very defensive. Let's bring in Stephen Doyle actually on commentary alongside Vinnie Perth. Stephen, you can put a shape on that Manchester United well, team. Well, there's, listen, for there's us. no point in me like coming on, Joe. The, the lads have stolen all my thunder, haven't they? Like, Jane, you might. <laughs> you have to have thunder in the first place, Steve. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, wow, yeah, it's a, it's it's quite the United team, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just uh, like I I don't know what uh, I don't know what Ralph Rangnick is trying to achieve here. They need points to try and get top four, and I would have thought you want to try and play a few more, a couple more attacking players at least. Uh, Lingard came back in, and uh, he was playing against Norwich at the weekend. I thought surely he could be worth a, worth a go, but it does look like a, a back three. Anyway, with Lindelof, Maguire and Jones, Dallow and uh, Wan-Bissaka as the wing, back, wing backs. And then you'll have um, Matic and Pogba, probably deep midfielders, and uh, Fernandes maybe playing behind Alanga and Rashford. But uh, it really is. I, I, I have to say, I'm just really shocked at this United team. It's It's incredible. Um, Liverpool, on the other hand, uh, look far more uh, solid there with their two changes from the game against Manchester City. And they were, of course, winners against City in that semi-final on Saturday, three goals to two. They really had the game wrapped up by halftime, as we know, three goals, two of those coming from Manny. He keeps his starting place, as do the other two attacking players, Salah and Diaz. Uh, the changes coming in the back line and in midfield. It's Henderson coming in for Keita alongside Fabinho and Thiago. And then the fullbacks, Robertson and Alexander-Arnold, keep their places. And it's Matip in for Kanate. And Virgil van Dijk stays at centre-half alongside his old buddy there. And Alisson in goal. Now, the only other thing is, well, Joe, uh, I don't know if you were aware of this, you were talking about clean sheets and stuff. Interesting to see when you look at Alisson's stats, the last three matches, he's seen seven goals go past him. I hate kind of pinning it all on the goalkeeper because, especially a keeper of the quality of Alisson, he's been really excellent, uh, as we know, in his time with Liverpool. But he's let in seven goals over the last three games. His previous 16 games, he'd let in five goals. So, perhaps he's on the slide a bit. Perhaps the defence are on the slide a bit. And that might give United a glimmer of hope for United supporters. Look, Joe, I'm, I'm just trying to give you and all the other United fans out there a little bit of hope. There's no um, great shock increasingly the more you look at it in what Rangnick has done here. This is a team beating 5-0 at Old Trafford by Liverpool when they tried to press that day and it was utterly disastrous if you remember. This was the period of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tenure where he was being asked why aren't you pressing and so they tried to press and they were cut through instantly. So what Rangnick's done here is said we're going to Anfield we have virtually no chance of outplaying Liverpool let's just go five at the back three in midfield and I would think we'll see depending on which side of the uh, pitch play is on one of Alanga or Rashford dropping in that three to make it a 5-4-1 at all times and that's mm. how they're going to go about this game I mean you can understand the logic Stephen they're playing against a much better side a side in perfect form why would we go to Anfield and pretend in our lineup and in our preparation that we can do anything other than hang on for dear life yeah, absolutely. But uh, we saw last season with Lingard at West Ham when the chips were down and they needed goals and points. He was uh, doing very well for West Ham. Um, and I know he probably hasn't had the amount of opportunities he would have wanted this season. Um, but I would have thought he was maybe worth uh, starting in the game today. Uh, interesting as well, McTominay was you talked about possibly being injured for this game. He's on the bench as well. Now, I can only assume that you know he's not fully fit and that's why he doesn't start. I would have thought he'd be a better option there instead of Matic, a little bit more mobile. McTominay and also really good. He, he's, he's one of the few United players that gets it. He gets what 
Manchester United supporters want mm. from their players. He mightn't be hugely as talented as you know midfielders going past like Fletcher and Keane and that kind of thing, but he is a man who will you know. You know, he'll sweat blood for Manchester United out there on the field of play and that kind of aggression that perhaps they need today but you know it is interesting looking at bench you know outside of McTominay Lingard and Sancho there's not really much there Jaden Sancho again another surprise perhaps that he's not uh, being allowed to start but maybe they're thinking well look we'll, we'll spring him from the bench but my feeling on Liverpool in this game as well Joe and as we know Liverpool and Manchester City the two best clubs you know in Europe at the moment and perhaps over the last couple of seasons the one thing they are very good at, whatever about their squads and their managers and their players, it's game management. That's what it's all about. And that's what Liverpool have been about over the last couple of games. We saw it against City. They had the game wrapped up at half time. They didn't need to overexert themselves in the second half. And I think they will come out here, you know, hell for leather in this match, try and wrap it up by half time. And perhaps that's what Ralph Rangnick is, is, is predicting as well. And that's, as you were saying, is just try and keep it tight for the first half and perhaps nick a goal at some stage in the game and then just sit on that from a United perspective but as I said I think Liverpool will try and get out and get this one wrapped up as quick as they can United of course have to play Arsenal on Saturday Liverpool have an extra day's rest they play Everton who have been as equally uh, as bad as United have been over the last couple of weeks I'm sure Liverpool will be expecting a win in that Merseyside derby as well Um, but I, I don't know look I saw United on Saturday against Norwich City the worst team in the Premier League and they were perhaps lucky not to end up drawing that game at Old Trafford at home um, we heard discontent from the supporters in the stands Paul Pogba was booed off the pitch he cupped his ears it was a, it kind of reminded me of that time Granit Xhaka uh, when the Arsenal fans turned against him um, perhaps we can feel a bit sorry I, I don't know whether it's a culmination or a, you know just of, the, of what's happened to Paul Pogba over the last couple of seasons and the lack of performance from him since he came back to the club maybe that's why fans felt they had to uh, express themselves in that kind of way um, or was it his performance on the day um, it has to be kept in mind as well that Paul Pogba like a couple of other Liverpool players as well is observing Ramadan at the moment he would have been fasting when that game against Norwich was on um, not so this evening um, you'll have a chance a bit like uh, Karim Benzema last week I saw a picture of him with uh, a pint of milk and a couple of dates before he went on to, to beat Chelsea with Real Madrid but um yeah, it's just um, there was obviously supporters' protests as well before the game on Saturday. It, it just seems to be everything is going wrong for United at the moment. They've, they're going to be losing players, get out of contract during the summer. Rangnick doesn't have really any control over this team or over the club. Um, it's all a bit of a mess, really. And, and you know, I think if Liverpool hit their straps tonight, this could be this could be bad for United. Oh, sure could. Stephen Doyle, thanks very much for the time being. Vinnie Perth will join us ahead of kickoff, which is at eight o'clock. So again, that United team day and goal. It, there, I mean, back three, but let's uh, call this the back five that it's going to be. Juan Basaka, interestingly, will be at presumably maybe left back. Tellers on the bench. So Lindelof, Maguire, Phil Jones, and then Dallow, right wing back. Pogba, Matic, McTominay on the bench. So Matic and Bruno Fernandes and then Elanga and Marcus Rashford leading the line, but I suspect uh, doing lots of running back towards their own goal as well. So that's how Manchester United are trying to navigate things at Anfield. This is a don't be 4-0 down at half-time job. It is, isn't it? And like all the doom and gloom talk before a game like this, there's something inbuilt in me that's like, this is Man United we're talking about. They could spring a surprise and, you know, all this will all be played back to us and we'll be laughing about it. But then you remember, you remind yourself that I've watched this team play about 30 times this year and they're genuinely as bad as we're all talking about. Like, I'd be very, very surprised if Liverpool don't win this game tonight. And it's like, I don't, like, even before the 5-0, I don't think we realised how bad things were. Like, can you ever remember going into a Liverpool-United game 
either side thinking this is a done deal before it starts. Yeah. Very once. hard to remember once. Remember the one, the, the season they were going for the league in under Rodgers and they played that noise United. <laughs> and it was like 3 0, and it was the most, it was so, it was just a foregone conclusion. That was sort of similar. Yeah, and that Moyes United team wasn't as bad as this one. And, like, no. you know, we definitely we talked a lot about them yeah. at the time, but were they as shambolic as and this team? I don't think that's was the, the question. Liverpool how, team is good. How, how have United spent that amount of money in the last five, six years and ended up with that starting 11? Edward Wood. Like, I appreciate, I appreciate their. <laughs> I know, yeah. Like, it's a simple answer, etc. Like, it can, well, it can be. But even allowing for the gross uh, incompetence of, of Ed Woodward. Like, how does a major team spend that amount of money, even setting aside injuries and, and the Ronaldo situation, which is desperately sad? But how do you end up with a team like that? It's Whereby true. you look at it, you look at it, you send it to Anfield. A Manchester United team going to Anfield and the preconceived and received thought is they've no chance. Like, that, that's that's criminal. Mm. And it's a criminal uh, misspend of just like hundreds of millions of pounds. And it's, it's bizarre. Ronaldo is on compassionate leave, you might yeah. have seen, which is uh, just a utterly awful situation I saw Manchester United saying there's going to be an applause at the stadium on the seventh minute kind of interesting to see I would presume be Liverpool observed have, generally have come out and said that they will like I think they might have instigated it to be honest okay. obviously the game's at Anfield so um, it was one of those hopefully positive stories yeah. you would you would hope anyway that nobody would uh, you know sink to anything else uh, for a story like this you know it's obviously absolutely horrific we should start the news round. It is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We'll preview that game in a bit more depth with Vinnie Perth ahead of the 8 o'clock kickoff. Richie, you're starting with MTK News. Yeah, Bob Yalen claims the intense pressure of the last few weeks have led him to step down as CEO of MTK Global. His decision comes a week after the US Treasury Department placed a $5 million bounty on Daniel Kenahan. Kenahan founded MTK, but the company just last week claimed he's had no direct involvement since 2017. Another of Kenahan's clients says the sanctions imposed on the Dubliner are none of his business. Tyson Fury was speaking at a public workout today ahead of his heavyweight world title bout with Dillian White, which comes up this weekend. Fury is, of course, an MTK client and Kinahan is a known advisor to the WBC heavyweight champion but Fury had very little to say when pushed on matters Kinahan this afternoon yeah again I've said this to quite a few people this week I don't get involved in other people's businesses and I keep mine to myself and that's it um, what other people do in their lives I've got my own troubles and my own problems to work on myself with a wife and six kids so I keep my uh, my uh, business to myself or any kind of relationship you did out over now um, that's none of your business and none of anybody else's business I don't think is it you know it's um, my business is my business your business is yours and that's it you're not worried it's kind of overshadowing the fight and you know like taking I the say, focus off you it's got nothing to do with me in boxing I'm just a stupid boxer who gets punched in the face for a living because if I wasn't I wouldn't be here would I it's ringing a bit hollow Michael it certainly is Joe um, look I think we we all know what you know we all know in the way that Tyson Fury will react to certain lines of questioning we all know how you know, we saw last week how Matchroom, say for example, have you know a set line that they are going with. The point is that the questions are being asked now. We've been, you know, I had a conversation in here three, four weeks ago about MTK content and how really outside of Ireland it's irrelevant. It's not going anywhere. We're just going to be constantly, you know, the the world of boxing is going to continue to push, you know, that the the normalization of 
this relationship that this man has with the sport. Mm. And then everything changed last Wednesday, you know, and it's amazing to see nearly a week on that that is actually only gathering momentum. It hasn't slowed down and it's changed everything. And, you know, for I think those of us who are interested in the resolution of this issue and, uh, you know, him being not associated with big time boxing anymore, I think that's only positive. You know, the the fact that Tyson Fury is being hounded about this now, when even last week, especially, you know, especially, I don't know what you would call it, like organised press conference where certain certain people weren't let in or let, let ask questions so that this wouldn't be mentioned. Yeah. Was, you know, what was that, Thursday or Friday? Thursday, I think. You yeah. Know? Thursday, yeah. In retrospect, that was a very silly move because it seemed course, to yeah. prompt further anger amongst, uh, well, several like-minded journalists because certainly reviewing the Sunday papers, Don McRae had a big piece in The Observer over, over the weekend. Sevy, several of the um, English journalists went big on this excuse for a press conference because it was so ridiculous and therefore they were writing about it and it gave them a different angle almost to yeah. keep the story going, which is sometimes part of a story like this. So that's Fury. Um, Right. <laughs> it's like, he's like almost pleading that I'm a private citizen as if he hasn't like aired uh, so much of his life over the last uh, decade or so and now it's like what's well, no, nobody's business none yeah. of this stuff is anyone's business uh, Richie Ireland have a daunting task at the weekend they have lost their sevens players a couple of big injuries as well so uh, some replacements drafted in yeah, seven players in all called up to that Ireland squad ahead of their final two matches in the TikTok Women's Six Nations. Seniopu among them, the Leinster centre, one of those seven added to the squad for the games with England and Scotland. The likes of Baven Parsons, Amy Lee Murphy Crow, Stacey Flood, and Eve Higgins have joined up, as you mentioned, with the Ireland Sevens panel. Sam Monaghan and Eva Wafer both missed out on Sunday's game in Leicester through injury. Uncapped Leinster pair Neve Byrne and Alice O'Dowd link up with the Six Nations squad, as do Laura Feely, Laura Sheehan, Mary Healy, and Shannon Tui. Yeah, Welford Road, the venue for that game. Sam Monaghan is a big loss, just on top of all the Sevens players going to lose her through injury is another blow. This could get very tricky for this team at the weekend. I mean, 40, 50 points defeat easily, if not more. Yeah, it's what you thought before uh, to lose as well. And obviously it turned out that way. Um, we're just looking for green shoots, I suppose, and start of development. And that's that's the way I was certainly looking at the France game. But now you're... I just think this is still such a mess. I know it's all everybody is the happy sevens. and yeah, exactly losing the players just in the middle of a tournament. I understand it has to happen. I understand yeah. the resolution was come to, and it isn't quite the it isn't quite matter for dispute anymore. But it just feels wrong, doesn't well, it? The more I think about it, the more I feel like the rugby community, so sevens and fifteens at a, at a global level, should recognise that at the stage the women's game is at. Uh, lots of sevens players are contracted and are used in the 15s game. I think the Welsh had a, had a similar setup for a while. So there must be a way to organise the calendar to yeah. just give the Six Nations some kind of a window. Yeah, Until uh, the playing numbers grow to such an extent that you exactly. can have two separate exactly. identities almost. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because I mean, Six Nations is a big deal. And so this just feels... yeah. You know, it's like impossible for any coaching ticket. And what to, good to is it to Ireland with a new coaching ticket with a lot of new players? Yeah. And you go in and you don't even have your full strength, which wouldn't be good enough anyway, mm. because they're at that starting point. Well, this and is you're thing. trying to make it a positive story this year because it's been such a hard couple of years. And, you know, now you go no World Cup to go to, and it's just like starting again almost next year. Yeah. But certainly the professionalism question is going to come back very soon because the Welsh turned professional really only from January 
was when they all went into camp and, and trained as professionals. And there's been such an improvement uh, versus last year where Ireland beat them 45 nil, and we saw the massive uh, turnaround there at the RDS and also you look at England who look are a different proposition and have more playing numbers and are more established anyway and we're one of the best teams in the world anyway but England in 2019 turned around to 28 players and said you are now full time these are full time contracts mm. they haven't lost a game since they're the best team in the world Yeah, and the gains that you can make by going professional are huge. So if Wales are now professional, mm. England are very much professional, uh, France uh, not fully, but you know as as good as in, yeah. with the, for the purposes of this tournament. If Scotland were to go that way, I yeah. mean the questions will only grow. You know, you talk about the massive improvement in Wales. Obviously, you can see it in their quality. But what's m- my take home from that game was that Ireland were as good as them until. 50-60 minutes where they just could not hold off anymore and that one team was a lot physically superior than the other and that comes from being a full time even if it is only from January yeah you know yeah size was a part of it certainly I, we don't seem to have size seems yeah. to be true naturally yeah, there's, a, there's, size, there's yeah, a bit yeah. of that as well a bit of that as well so uh, James Ryan is nearing a return Richie we're saying yeah, positive news on the James Ryan front. He's nearing a return with Leinster, but he won't be included in the squad that travels to South Africa. The lock hasn't played since suffering a second injury, head injury of the year in this season's Six Nations in the win over Scotland. Ryan will continue to train in Dublin with the rest of the squad heading to Durban to play the Cell Sea Sharks. And now Ulster-Munster news ahead of their quarterfinals. Yeah, Jack O'Sullivan likely to miss Munster's Heineken Champions Cup quarterfinal with Toulouse. The back row forward will be out for a number of weeks, they say, after sustaining a knee injury in the away leg of their win over Exeter. Munster go to Ulster in the URC on Friday and will do so without Gavin Coombs, Dave Kilcoyne, Ty Byrne, Andrew Conway and now, of course, O'Sullivan. Ulster, meanwhile, they'll be without Kieran Treadwell and Billy Burns for that game at Kingspan Stadium. Both suffered concussions in Saturday's loss to Toulouse. Uh, Munster performance much better we'll be talking about that tomorrow on Wednesday Night Rugby and then Ed Sheeran strikes again yeah again 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 sorry just, I thought you meant as well as Thomond no <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, just, just Porky Queeve and Thomond Arthur nothing else so far you know? I'm not writing it off I mean <laughs> there could be a press release imminent what sporting, what, what's the next sporting occasion that Ed Sheeran's going to sabotage like I actually genuinely didn't know that uh, the Thomond Park uh, concerts had the possibility of a clash because it just didn't come up because it was all Porky Queeve all the time Yeah. and then you just see this and it was like it was about 15 minutes to go in the game and I oh, know actually I think it was before the, it was like while the Ulster Toulouse game was still on it was like if if Toulouse win this, you know that Munster are getting kicked out of Thomas Park, and you're like, I can't believe this. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Because the Cork County Board do have the, I think, not unreasonable excuse. Yeah, it's an excuse of sorts that when they agreed to the Ed Sheeran concert, the championship had not been radically altered in terms of dates, and you know, so they were like, well, you, we're gonna have to stick to the sh- contract we have with Ed. Well, not ideal, and but that's how it happened. And I thought, well, that's kind of reasonable. Like the Heineken Champions Cup quarterfinal weekend has been penciled in, sorry, inked in for months and months and months. So clearly Munster, there's a financial imperative there said, well, several million and we do want to have this stadium dual purpose and and hosting concerts. So it's the biggest game of the year in that stadium for its purpose, which is as Munster's home stadium. Now, I don't, I'm not actually up in arms about this. I just think it's a real pity. It's not like, why do you have the stadium? Why are you raising the money? It's so that you can have this brilliant 25,000 seat stadium for your Heineken Cup quarter final when Toulouse come to town. Yeah. I guess it's to pay for the next Day Land Day contract, isn't yeah. it? 
Is the it's logic. crazy though. It is. It's 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 pretty insulting. I, I'm, I'm surprised you're not more up in arms about it. Like it's not surely for the players and everything. It's so it undercuts them. Look, Something we just serious. didn't think you were going to have a home quarterfinal. <laughs> we thought you might get in by the skin of your teeth. No, it's <laughs> tough. Like it's tough. And like what might be, like for like it's just like you're not. I guess, there's only so many of those days you get really. Like in, in terms of a career, and I'm not getting a very kind of thing, but like for someone coming back, like you don't get that many of them, and that is such an iconic thing for them in Europe. I guess like they're not they're not they're not playing in like. A back garden either like they'll play at the EVU Stadium yeah. it'll be fine I do take the point Richie there's no talk of uh, Cork hurlers or Cork footballers uh, Munster uh, kind of joint protest like a march of any kind is there <laughs> not, not the, um, they might have shown up outside Whelan's apparently Sheeran's playing there tonight as well so they could be picketing outside he's over already is he, is he actually over in Whelan's he is, yeah, yeah. Is he? He's, ruined, he's ruined. He's ruined the semblance of uh, a quiet pint for anybody who's pitching up to Whelan's of a, of a Tuesday night tonight. He's ruined that as well. Why Whelan's? Uh, oh, he's a big Damien Rice fan. I wonder, is it like a homage <laughs> to? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> I'm surprised it's announced. Richie kind of knows these things, so this could be this could be top secret stuff, you know. But Richie's in on the scene. Uh, it's not. Do you know who told me? It was Stevie Dante out in the office there, uh, texting me about it, going, "Are you going down to Wheelands tonight?" And I was like, "What the hell is on the wheelie bins on tonight?" And I literally had to Google it uh, because I'm so out of the. I'm an old man stuck That's, at home. Yeah. Uh, I know nothing anymore. Uh, but apparently he's playing there, and apparently there's a, there's a Vicar Street date as well. Wow. Um, just, just look, look, why won't leave us alone? Leave us alone, man. We suffered enough. When is the last time Richie McCormick went to Wheelands on a Tuesday night? Ooh. Oh, good God. That is a good question, Joe. And I do not even have the answer to that. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Do you know, though? Longer. Uh, Aviva Stadium's grand and all, but it's not in Munster. No. There's a perfectly nice well, stadium in uh, the city of Cork called Cork Equive <laughs> that I think could host the Mun- Munster uh, Heineken Cup quarterfinal. Surely Ed Sheeran can't play both at the same time. Exactly. That's what I was at the exact point. You know for a fact that Ed Sheeran isn't going to be playing there. Unless there's like a Ed Sheeran rehearsal or something. Hologram. Yeah. So there we are. Aviva Stadium. Do you who think... Who booked it, that? Who? Like who, who? Like like in England, right? You wouldn't play, for instance, like the Wirral and Liverpool at the same time. Like you wouldn't put a gig on in Tranmere and then put one on in Anfield. Mm. Like just off the top of your head. Why do you need to play massive gigs in Limerick and Cork? Don't know. Like just, just different cities. He's immensely popular. <laughs> like... But you you mean like do several nights at one, do you? Yeah, exactly. Like people can travel if they want, it's not, and it's not as if you're asking them to travel from I don't know Antrim to oh, come no. down to. Cork. Don't talk about the Cork Limerick Road, Richie. You're going down a hole. <laughs> I presume Ed Sheeran has no idea that like this section of Irish life is being disturbed this way, and he's been talked about for the last like three weeks. You'd wonder, actually. Like, he's got strong Irish roots, you know. Yeah. He's got a... He definitely has a few ears back home, but I wonder, are they sheltering him from the fact that uh, uh, we're we're on every night talking about how he's ruining Irish sport? Yeah. We're playing some gigs. Yeah. Let's... Um, we're going to take a very short ad break, and then we're going to finish up the news round, and then chat to Vili Perth to see if Manchester United can cause a bit of a shock at Anfield. So back with Richie and Mick and Arthur in just one second. Welcome back. So we're going to finish up the news round. It's Joe Malloy here, Mick McCarthy, Arthur O'Dea, Richie McCormick as well. Richie, apparently it is to do with Damien Rice and some uh, charity effort this evening at Whelan's. Ah, there you go. Very good. Ed Sheeran. Can't slag off charity, Joe. Brought to uh, Whelan's when he was 13 years old in 2004 to see a bit of Damien. That can't be legal. Chatted to him afterwards and uh, some encouragement and he uh, stayed up that night to write his first six songs. 
is what the story says. Which is so more than Damien Rice, Rice has written in the last 20 years. It's a, <laughs> it's a, that I've heard anyway. Uh, lads, who's going to want to listen to your commentary tonight? You're rubbishing the match before it starts, says Eileen. <laughs> that is a fair point. I was conscious of that. I guarantee on Sky right now, they're billing this as the biggest rivalry. And it's going to be an extraordinary game. It's, it's, Look, it's, it used to be a big game. There's no denying it's that. It's still Joe. a big game. Know. It's still a big game. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, Eileen, the beauty of sport is stranger things have happened. Like, they've spent a billion on this team. There's enough talent there to somehow nick a win so I guess that's why we all keep watching uh, whatever about United team news Diaz over Jota in an otherwise full strength team is very interesting his form deserves a two how do they keep unearthing these players Firmino is in genuinely good form and is now fifth choice they are in so many ways the complete opposite to Manchester United that's what I was going to say Richie was saying United spent a billion and can't get it right and Liverpool are almost surgical in their precision at the moment so clock is coming against us uh, last couple of stories uh, Richie Roy Keane he was doing a piece with Jimmy Carragher over the weekend and made an yep. interesting comment yeah, he's the real uh, carrot for Sky viewers this evening, to be honest with you, not the match itself. Uh, Keane admits it's unlikely that he'll be offered the chance to manage another club. The former Manchester United and Republic of Ireland captain held talks with Sunderland back in February, but the League One side ultimately opted to appoint Alex Neil as their head coach. His most recent work was as an assistant to Martin O'Neill uh, with both Ireland and subsequently Nottingham Forest, but that was three years ago now at this stage, and Keane says he can't see another club giving him a good opportunity, he says, uh, to get back into management. I watched this. Did you guys watch it? No. No. It was quite good. They've nice rapport Carragher respects Keane so much it's the thing you'll have seen it in the past like Neville and Mika Richards did it where they're asked a question off camera and then they can move their glass to strongly agree agree disagree strongly disagree have you seen those at all so they get asked different questions Mm. so like for instance at one stage uh, Roy Keane was the greatest captain in Premier League history straight away Carragher strongly agree you know yeah. this kind of, and then they they chat afterwards about it, and it was just in the midst of the conversation about punditry, and I think the question was Carragher and Neville are the best duo versus <laughs> Richards and Keane, and actually Keane totally agreed that they were better, but in the midst of the subsequent conversation about punditry and everything else, Keane sort of you know Carragher was asking him, do you like it? Famously, he said he, he never thought much of it, and he was sort of, he didn't say he loved it at all, Keane. He was still saying, yeah, you know, I like going to the games and you know, give my opinion a little bit, but he said, I, he just kind of very casually said, I, I, I'm, I've kind of given up now on ever becoming a manager. Mm. And I thought, oh, it's the first That's time. That's actually big news, yeah. ever said that, but it was just very quietly slipped in and it was kind of, it was kind of sad in a way, you know, because he, 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 he didn't say it wasn't for want of uh, wanting to get back in there and do it. He just said, no one's going to give yeah. me a good job. I kind of wanted him to get that Sunderland job and when it fell through, I kind of thought, why did I want them to get that Sunderland job? A, a no hope job for a cursed club, or stay on TV and entertain me every week, and yeah. l- like let people argue about whether he's a technically a good pundit or not. He's he's the best thing on television. Yeah. Well, he's. <laughs> I just want them to embrace it and enjoy it a little bit. You I know? was just going to say, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's embracing it. He's processing it. That's what <laughs> I said. He's, well, he's coming to terms with it. So the hurling at the weekend, Richie. What do you got for us? Yeah, the Cork manager Kieran Kingston says they can benefit from having this week off from the Munster Hurling Championship. The All-Ireland and League finalists were beaten 225 to 117 by Limerick on Sunday. Their performance has been criticised from several sides and Kingston says they probably need this week to regroup. I suppose in hindsight it's better to have it off when you lose um, because you, you, if you win obviously you have momentum going into next week and then we saw that last year running through the All-Ireland series. It's, it's probably good to have you have a bit of momentum in game after game. It's not, it's not any harm if you can avoid injuries. Um, in this this scenario, having lost, uh, lost the league final and then lo- losing today, I think that two weeks break is better for us, yes. 
So that's Kieran Kingston. Two stories here. I think one, the headline news, Limerick, no crisis. And that's uh, very important to state. And then secondly, for Cork, there's just a sense that the manner of the defeat was so comprehensive that this really has blown any sense of optimism to smithereens here. Along with the league final performance, which was poor as well. And I think the manner, uh, the, 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 the manner of the defeat and the style really just angered Cork fans. You can hear it, like, you know, Richie alluded to the criticism there, but it's been really extreme. I think people are just fed up now. You know, I think this Limerick second goal, I think will take, it will be, it'll be remembered almost in the annals of the game because there was that moment where a Cork player had the ball in his hand and actually almost took the two steps that you take when you go to hit a drive a ball 100 yards and just pull back because there was nobody there. There was nobody running for the ball. There was nobody up there. He hand passes it back. Everything goes to hell. And Aaron Glan goes in and scores the goal. And it was one of the most peculiar, bizarre things I've ever seen on a field. You know, and it was like, it summed up their entire performance. They were just, the, the, there was nobody up front to hit the ball to. They were designed not to do it. But then also, when the option was there the forwards weren't making the runs either mm. so it's like what's going on McCork what were they doing mm. that's what I would like to know is like they weren't doing any of the the, the, the possibilities <laughs> of like what, what what were they passing the ball around for what were they eventually going to do you know it was just and to think they scored a goal after 15 seconds and you're thinking oh here we go yeah it's quite striking though as well when so much of the criticism is so pointed and it's all kind of at we're well, just not working hard enough and it's like I know there's probably a bit of group thing to that as well everyone oh that's what it is that's what it is but like that's what it was like. They just it, like it's not you clearly like Limerick aren't um, no, nothing is beyond. You can, it's not beyond being caught. And Cork have everything at their disposal to do it. They've all the players. They've all the expertise there. They've everything else. So I, I don't like it. Has to be sort of a, a personnel thing or a player thing. On the older players, yeah. Is there a, just a brutal argument here that they have wonderful hurlers and stickmen? But actually, when it comes down to it, Limerick can physically smash them. Yeah. Like, you know, like, do they actually have the hurlers to beat Limerick in terms of size? I don't think they've. I don't think their hurlers are as good as Limerick, and their physicality is not as good as Limerick. Limerick are a one-off, absolutely. Cork should be better than they are. They yeah, should have put okay. it, and, and they've had a few goes at them now. And obviously, they beat them in the league, and it was like, oh, you know, it wasn't shadow boxing this year, but it was for Limerick, you know. And by the way, we're never doing a piece in the hurling league again. <laughs> <laughs> Ever, <laughs> Richie, Colin Bonner and Tipperary. Yeah, Colin Bonner believes Tip can prove some doubters wrong in this year's Munster Championship. They lost by four points to Waterford at West Park on Sunday. Despite having a new look panel, Bonner believes there's plenty to come from his Premier players. These are not 18 and 19 year olds. Craig Morgan and, and, and um, Quigley, like they're 23, 24. They've waited a long time for this opportunity, for this chance. And yeah, they're replacing huge players that have played for Tipper over the last 10 years. But they, we have huge belief in what they can bring and what they're about. And there's, there's more players in that dressing room that are only waiting for a chance. So Tipper, yeah, look, uh, today we're dis- hugely disappointed. And But, you know, we have to regroup very quickly. And we have to set our sights now on Claire. Claire, no doubt, Brian Lohm is down there looking at that and sizing up in terms of what what we were about and you know so yeah look um, we have to get the boys recovered we have to get back into we, you know, we feel we still can have a say in this championship This is really interesting Tipperary far better than expected mm-hmm. like genuinely far better and then Waterford whether it's all the expectation whether it's the bizarre for them sense of being raging hot favourites against Tipperary they had some edginess or stage fright but whatever whatever the cause of it was the the uh, result was they were giving the ball away countless times 
and you know shot selection was average shot execution was average yeah. and I don't remember them playing that badly uh, for a very long time they, they they got it together as it went on but Tip didn't go away fully either well, it's brought on Jamie Barron and Ozzy Gleeson at half time and questions over why Ozzy wasn't playing in the first place it definitely must be asked but I think they got 2-5 two to 2 points then and it felt over but then Tip came back into it, it did, again yeah. you know And but the only thing I'd say to that is Tip were much better than expected Noel McGrath was still by far and away their best player you know it's like, it's like over the course of the year they're just not going to get away with not missing Brendan Marr Potty Marr Seamus Callanan depending on when he comes back obviously and it's like you have Noel McGrath into that like lineup. is he going to be able to stay fit is he going to be as potent as that all the way through he was brilliant yeah. you know don't get me wrong young players will come through but they're just I don't think they're overall experienced enough with top players at the moment but we'll see they'll probably still be clear to weekend <laughs> they'll be true then almost yeah so well that's the hurling we'll come back to it obviously across the course of the week we're into the throes of it now Rich do you want to bring us maybe one last story whatever you fancy from the weekend uh, Mr Lowry I suppose he says what doesn't kill him will only make him stronger he threw away a one shot lead on the 14th hole of Sunday's final round at the RBC Heritage his double bogey there saw him surrender pole position eventually settling for a share of third at Hilton Head Jordan Spieth took the win beating Patrick Cantlay in a playoff uh, it was incredibly dramatic if anyone watched on that Sunday <laughs> Jordan Spieth uh, won this tournament he ranked 60th in pudding for this tournament how does that I don't know how it works yeah in his interview afterwards, he said, well, I won the tournament without a putter, <laughs> which is really not how golf at this level works. So it was a shame to break your heart because yeah. it'll tell you, it'll take a lot for me to turn on the golf on uh, the weekend after the Masters when I've just spent four days watching it, you know. and that, Only that, the hardcores like me and Richie are watching it I the know. week after. <laughs> exactly. But I come on, I went in and then got my heart broken. I was like, bloody hell, I, like, what am I doing here? I've been watching sport all weekend. Yeah. Well, by his standards, he gave it away. You know he, ah, he did, did though. Like he did. Mean, that, yeah, that, yeah. he'd be kicking himself. Know. But he's playing so well. I feel like there's a. Ma- I think there's a major coming this year for him. Yeah, you, to think you, that way. You take him, throw away uh, the heritage for uh, for Time. a U.S. Open or a PGA. I think I, it's a long time since he played this well consistently. So uh, yeah. that's the upside for sure, fellas. We are out of time. We have Liverpool Manchester United to preview. Richie, what's your prediction? I think it's going to be narrower than a lot of people expect Uh, I think Liverpool by the odd goal by the odd goal Mm. now we're selling our commentary do you hear that Eileen she texted him earlier (laughs) (laughs) come on 2-0 to Liverpool simple 2-0 both in the first half I think it'll be a draw a draw I think that if you've got nothing you've got nothing to lose right so they've kind of went with a completely different thing yeah it's the last thing not necessarily the last thing but it's certainly not something Liverpool would have been expecting hmm now, obviously, they're far superior. Yeah. But it doesn't... Like, they just weren't expecting to put out this bad a team. <laughs> this my United team are still, like, fifth. Yeah, Do you no, know true, what I mean? Where you have to be realistic about it. They're ah, still... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I know, but, like, like, I just... I wouldn't write it out. I don't think it's going to be anything like the other, the five now. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, fellas, thank you very much. Richie McCormick, Mick McCarthy, no prediction Arthur, from Joe. OD, 4-0. Uh, <laughs> 